0: a couple weeks ago, I started this message and just gave you an introduction. And so today, um, I have ample time to get it in. Praise the Lord. And so we're going to get into the Word. We've been on a series uh, about the fear of the Lord, and uh, I really am excited about this series because I really believe it's going to bring great breakthrough to our hearts and uh, great breakthrough in our lives. When we talk about the fear of the Lord, we, Tom shared several messages on it, and I believe that uh, Tom did a, did a great job on those messages. He talked about FOMO, which is the what? Fear of missing out, and he talked about, about uh, uh, what, uh, FOLO, fear of the Lord, right? And then what was the other one? FOMA, which is the fear of man. And those are, uh, you know, those were abbreviations to his message, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that even in the message today. But when we're talking about the fear of the Lord, and, and the first message that I shared just before I went on vacation, one of the one of the main themes or points that I made at that point in time was this thing of we're not talking about being scared of God, but we're talking about that we are to get our wonder and our awe, our reverence. From God the creator and when we don't get it from him when we don't get our awe and wonder satisfied by God the creator We always look to creation To get our all and our wonder and so what we do is we transfer the fear of the Lord and we transfer that all and wonder that who? Amazingness that we're to receive from God our father and we then make the creation of what he created, that's what we end up getting our awe and wonder. So amusement parks, uh, entertainment, you know, drugs, alcohol, all kinds of ways we artificially get our awe and wonder from relationships, and they're artificial in what they do for you, and they are they never ever satisfy you on the inside. Can I have an amen on that? But the fear of the Lord is this thing when we get our awe and wonder from god we truly become the men and women of god that he wants us to be and so we're going to keep going in on this series about the fear of the lord and today's message i titled fear what does the fear of the lord look like in disappointment or trials because all of us have went through crazy crazy trials in our lives and where is the fear of the lord where is the awe and wonder when things aren't going your way Anybody had that problem? Anybody had that problem where the fear of the Lord really quickly gets whisked away and we begin to accuse the character of God We begin to say why is this happening to me? Why is this going on? Why 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 anybody been there besides me? And so quickly the trial the the disappointment that we walk through quickly becomes very very big and very very large in our hearts in our eyes and so I'm going to talk about what does the fear of the Lord look like in disappointment. And you guys know as well as I do in my life in 25, 30 years, you guys have experienced some of those disappointments, some of those things that even in my own life that I've walked through. And, how, and, and, and really out of those experiences, I'm going to share this message. Because I really believe God has something for us. That the trial and the disappointment, is it, the enemy has meant for it to destroy you. But God has meant for it to call you up higher. Amen. Come up higher in the fear of the Lord, in the reverence of his name. And I really love what the worship team did today and the songs that we did today. Even that last song where we talk about the wonderful, amazing name of Jesus. And so this is where we're going. in the theme scripture or the scripture that we're going to look if you, in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Psalms 34 or your iPhone or iPad. I'm also going to put it up here. On uh, the PowerPoint. But this is the psalm that we're going to uh, be our theme scripture for today. And out of it, I hope to bring a revelation of what God is saying to us so that we can uh, honor and fear the Lord through trial and disappointment. So, so David says this in Psalms 34 I will extol the Lord at all times, his praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Oh, come, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever. Can everybody say amen on that? Amen. Sometimes life situations can really discourage us, can't they? Yeah. Sometimes life can throw you a curveball. And I know I minister to many, many people throughout the week, and many people are in a place of discouragement. Many people are in a place where there there's a lot of asking of whys. And life can really, really disappoint you. People can disappoint you. You, you, you believe God for some amazing things, and when those things don't happen, like what you're believing God for, and faith does, doesn't seem to come through, uh, we can we can get really discouraged, and sometimes feel like God's not even there. I have been at a place in my life where I've wondered where the Lord was. Anybody here? Like you're knocking, and the 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 ceiling is. Uh, Almost like I can't get through to God and we know that's a lie, right? But it feels like that and it feels like God sometimes is not enough But we're gonna we're gonna look through the scriptures today and We're gonna begin to look at what is it? How are we to posture our hearts as Christians? How are we to live our life as Christians when those times hit us? Because if you're not in a trial You may have just gotten through a trial or you might be coming into a trial, but there is good news in the trial can i can i have an amen on that so we're going to talk about that well we have some friends in michigan and uh we met them about four years ago after joel had had his accident and was paralyzed and after joel had his miracle um joel was speaking in several churches up in in michigan and we met this couple up there and they really grabbed hold of joel's testimony because just two months prior to joel's accident Their son had had an accident as well, and his name is Ryan and in that journey He they were on family vacation in August that year. Joel had his accident in October and uh, He dove into a lake and the lake was only about a foot and a half deep and he broke his neck and He is paralyzed from the chest down and when Joel began to tell his story of how God set him free and how he got his legs back they, they latched on to that testimony, and they claimed that testimony as their own. And they are in a process of walking out faith and believing God for their son's restoration, even when the, maybe even the church that they're attending don't even believe that God heals miraculously. In this house, we believe that God heals miraculously. Yeah we we believe in this house that god the same jesus that raised christ from the dead dwells in us and he shall quicken our mortal bodies and there are things that the god does that is unexplainable amazing and is it it will he will blow your 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 mind away of what he can and will do i still in john it talks about the same that the same things jesus did we would do also I love that passage and it's a it's a passage to encourage us to believe God for more It's a passage to make you realize that there is a realm of authority that Christians can walk in and We are we are mining that well We, we are digging for those truths in this house and we're believing God for supernatural things, right? Because we are passionate aggressive lovers of God and he does amazing things And so this family has gone through this trial, and they are faced with this trial. They are faced with disappointment every day as they clean out his trach. They are faced with trials every day when they have to change his diaper as he's a 23-year-old. Every day the trial is faced before them, and they are struggling in their journey to believe God for something greater. I know Karen and I we walked through 30 years ago seven years of infertility seven years where it's just like it's like God Why can we not why can we not have a child and then when we did have a child? I know I shared that a couple weeks ago, you know, then we lost the child and it's like God What is going on? We you, you go through these things in life and they are always a call to come up higher They're always a call what the enemy has meant for harm. God is always calling us as Christians higher and so, in our journey, if I go back to Tom's message about the fear of the Lord, in our journey for Karen and I, we had the fear of missing out. We were fearful of missing out on children. We, we desired children, we wanted children desperately. But there were seven years there. Seven years. The the family in Michigan, they're into year four or five. All of us have things. We've been walking and believing God for years. Believing God for many big things. My wife had stage four endometriosis. They said it would be lucky. You would be lucky if she would have one child. But yet God had prophesied when we were in another church, when we were just... Attending that church a woman who was prophetic After we'd had the miscarriage I'll never forget her pointing to us and she began to prophesy the word of God Talks about prophets, right? And she prophesied she pointed right at us. You shall have a son and his name will be Joel Now he prophesied our other children later, but that prophecy was an anchor to our soul it was an anchor of go that is a promise from god year after year after we were not having being having conception and we were struggling in the journey there was this thing of the fear of missing out but yet running to god's word and going oh god you are good you are amazing and as we feasted upon god as we feasted upon his word and feasted upon worship and celebration of him there was a process of God breaking in to our world. And as you guys know, we have three amazing, beautiful children that I'm very thankful for. And I know you're thankful for them too. Amen. But that trap of walking that journey, we didn't get that seven-year process. We, didn't win, we, we, we struggled in that journey. We struggled. People in the church were praying with us, and we were fasting and praying and seeking God's faith, face for children Now there is good news my wife was a year or two out from having a hysterectomy my wife still has her uterus we now have three children she no longer has endometriosis she no longer has pain those those are victories praise God yes Joel was paralyzed we now he now walks again those are all praise God But they're still journeys and what do we do? What does what where are you going to position your heart? Where are you going to rest secured in in that trial in that time when things your expectations are not measuring up with the Word of God? Where are you going to stand and I know each of us have personal stories? Everybody in this house has a story. I've heard many of your stories many of your disappointments, you know and when you know That the enemy is coming at your soul to really bring you down and make the problem bigger than what it is Often I've said this you know that mirror on your car objects in mirror Are closer than they appear well Satan makes sure that you realize that he really makes everything look like it's right on you You know instead of far away. He wants you to think that that the problem is bigger than what it is But here's what I know about problems You go to you go to bed thinking about it you Awake thinking about it you go through your day thinking about it. Is anybody here with me? Does that test? is that where the battle goes? You get up in the morning. Hey, hey the other night I couldn't sleep and there was a, a concern that I had in my heart and that concern was I was thinking about it and stewing about it at Night is there anybody in this house who has ever done that it was last night like that And the other night I was stirring And the Lord was beginning to speak to me, Eric, I want you to refocus. Eric, I want you to refocus. And so that's part of where this message is coming out of. There are things that God has not done yet, but I want to assure you guys today, God is never, ever the problem. God is never, ever the problem. Say it with me. God is never the problem. God is never the problem. God is always good. His nature is good. There is no shadow. There is no darkness in him. He is complete truth. He is complete justice. He is good every, every time, no matter what you're walking through. And he is always bigger than the situation that you're in. Now, what Psalms 34, or 19 says, I didn't put it up here, but in the same, same Chapter where david is talking. He says this a righteous man may have many troubles, but the lord delivers him from them all If you want to look there that is in psalms 34 19 the same chapter that we're in David says he says to the, the to the reader He said though a righteous man may have many many troubles the lord delivers him from them all the problem we get into is we want deliverance a whole lot quicker than we get it sometimes But what does James chapter 1 say James chapter 1 also says count it all joy brethren when you undergo trials of many kinds joy joy brothers When you go through trials of many kind because you know the testing of your faith it produces perseverance and Perseverance must finish its work in every one of us in this house And perseverance brings maturity and character and hope. So the big problem really isn't as big as we think it is. The struggle and trial is a call to come up higher. And that's where I want to give you an invitation today. The trial, the thing that you're in, the thing that you think about, that is an opportunity. It's an a opportunity that God is giving you an invitation to come up higher, to come up higher in the fear of the Lord, to come up higher in your revelation of who he is. Amen. Amen? His goodness. What does it look like in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the disappointment, in the middle of the, 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 the chaos, in the middle of I don't know if I can conti- continue to go, in the middle of, oh my gosh, in the middle of the night having to clean out your son's trach and not getting any sleep, not being able to go on vacation, not being able to do things that you used to do, not being able to work. What does the goodness of God look like in that crappy trial and we've all been there but here's what it does not look like and I know this is a simple simple illustration it's it's elementary my dear but hey it's okay but this is what we do we make the problem this big and we make God like that we focus like I did on the other night I was focused on a problem Making the problem magnified and I was looking and making God really small. That's what we do. Our view of God is way too small. It means God is calling you up higher, as I said, and God is calling you to see things from a higher perspective when you're in it. He wants us to get up with the eagles. He wants to mount up with wings as eagles. He wants us to soar. He wants us to run and not grow weary. He wants us to walk and not faint. He wants us to trust him. Everybody, he wants us to trust him. He say I he wants me to trust him. He wants me to trust him. He wants me to trust him in the trial. trial. Hmm, You guys are quiet today. Sometimes our disappointment can make us critical, cynical, angry, and depressed. But God's calling us up higher. Amen. So Tom shared the FOMO, FOMO. Foma, ma fo-lo, fo-fum. I think I want to even add a couple more. I even put uh, fo-fa, which is the fear of failure. I put fo the fear of disappointment. You know, when you've been disappointed again, you just sometimes would rather surrender to being more disappointed. You know, you're kind of like the, the guy on Charlie Brown where the cloud just always follows him around. That's not who God wants us to be, Amen. But Karen and I as I said earlier we were in this place where God was too small and the problem of infertility the problem of not having children had become too big We were in this situation where the problem was big and God was small and we had to invert that we had to begin to do something different And we had to begin to fight everybody say the word fight. We had to begin to fight We had to begin to battle. We had to begin to change our focus and really in the body of Christ not a lot of people know how to fight anymore Not a lot of people know how to put up resistance to what the enemy has meant for harm But god is going to work for the good for those that love him many of people in the body of christ They lay down really quickly anymore because perseverance hasn't finished its work Because we've quit and we've surrendered to whatever's going on we could have surrendered to the doctor's call And the fight was a real pain, especially for Karen because she was in pain all the time But we began to fight we began to get some tenacity about us God began to get our roots deeper into the Word of God. He began to call us higher He began to call us into the Word of God He began to and really ultimately ministry ended up coming out of that terrible tragedy then there was the losing of my, my brother-in-law who got killed in a terrible car accident. And then John can't I mean, we, we got all kinds of you know, cancer and divorces and all kinds of trials that go around us. And, and God's looking for a people who will fight. Even last week, there was a prophetic word that came forth in, in, in the drumbeat. In the drumbeat last week, and as Gage was... Playing the drums. There was this call of battlement. This call of the army of God to come forth. There was this cadence to to, to take rank and to stand up and to begin to fight. I think God was already preparing us for this message. Christians are weenies. I've been a weenie. We fall into victimhood and feeling sorry for ourselves and whining and what I used to sing to my kids. Oh, this you'll like this: whining and a whining and a complaining and complaining. And they'd start whining and I'd start singing that song. <laughs> it was their clue to, oh, I better quit complaining and quit whining. How many want to do it God's way? Yeah. Amen. Well, the issue of the fear of the Lord in the midst of a trial is we have to start focusing on the size of our God and His goodness rather than the size of the problem. You, Karen and I had to begin to say to ourselves over and over and over, God said that we would have a son. We had to anchor ourselves into prophetic words. We had to anchor ourselves in this most precious word and we had to begin to praise him even when we didn't feel like it in romans 12 1 it talks about becoming a living sacrifice your spiritual act of worship you know a living sacrifice sometimes it is a sacrifice to worship when you're in a trial your flesh doesn't want to say god you're good Your flesh does not want to say, oh, you're so majestic, God. You are so amazing when you're in pain. Your flesh doesn't want to do that. Your flesh wants to curl up in bed. Your flesh wants to sleep it off. Your flesh wants to drink it off. Your flesh wants to do some type of entertainment, some type of thing to make you feel better about yourself. And God says, I have something different. I'm calling you up higher. Our believing and our thinking had to change up, and it had to come up higher. The size of the problem had to change, and God must be magnified over your problem. And we have to get to where God is much bigger than the problem can i have an amen on that and that's a journey that doesn't happen overnight that is not going to happen because you heard this message today that doesn't happen on a sunday morning that happens on monday morning and tuesday morning and wednesday morning and thursday morning that's called prayer closet. That's called getting alone with God. That's called you have to start looking at something different than what you're currently looking at. So, to get that freedom, the fear of the Lord in disappointment. What we have to do is we we have to begin to change our gaze. We have to begin to gaze on something, and we have to begin to gaze on that awesomeness, on that splendor, on that beautiful name that it is that we just sang about. And when we begin to focus on the beauty of who he is, it begins to dwarf the problem. It begins to bring the problem down. What does the old song, the old hymn say? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face. In his splendor you know look at who he is and the things of this earth will grow strangely what in the light of what his glory and his grace so we as believers we've got to begin to discover this glory and this grace and that's what David began to say as we go to there and he says so come magnify the Lord with me so what does it mean for the Christian to magnify God How are you doing at magnifying God in your problem? Magnify. Magnify. Come magnify the Lord with me, David said. Come, let us exalt his name forever. The word magnify there, you know magnify. I brought this just so we could... now. In magnification, the magnification is for who? Who is getting the benefit of the magnification? We are. are. God's already big, okay? God, whether you see him as big, whether you see him for who he is, he is already, he is omnipotent. He is the beginning and the end. He is already big. So it's not that we're changing who God is. God is already who he said he would be right? It's just that our view of God is small. Our our perspective, our eyesight, our revelation, the revealing of what we've received. I don't know about you, my parents didn't give me a good view of who God was. Anybody else? My view of God came from a very traditional, dead denomination that didn't glorify God. They just talked about God. One of the things I love here about New Covenant is we don't talk about God. We, we, we don't sing about God. We sing to God. We're singing to Him. Our praise is about declaring who He is. And we're, we're engaging our hearts in our praise and our magnification of Him. That's why we spend so much time in worship here. That is purposeful because you begin to get a view of God for who He really is. As we sing the songs, as we we talk about the names of God, we we talk about His majesty, we talk about His name, all of a sudden faith begins to rise. All of a sudden the problems seem to go away as we begin to turn our affection and our focus upon the Lord. Are you with me? So I have a big question for you. How is God being magnified in your life? The word magnification means to make an object a lot bigger than what it seems to you. The magnification is for us and our freedom in the middle of disappointment. So magnify. So my question here today is, where I'm currently at as an individual in my worship of God, who do you say he is? Who is God to you? Who do you privately conceive or believe God to be in your own heart? Is he big? Is he small? Is he some cosmic force? Is he out there? Is he right here? Is he glorious? Is he amazing to you? Is there some awe and wonder at the splendor of who he is? Maybe you don't have a clue. Maybe you're here because Mom made you come. Well, here's one of the things that the Apostle John said out of 1 John 1, 1 John 3, excuse me. And I want want to make a point here And as we dive into this. John said, dear friends, now we are children of God. Say, "I'm I'm a child of God. Yet we do not know as yet. What we will be like But we will know That when he appears And I put in parentheses this is not in the bible When he is revealed We shall be Like him Why? For we shall see him as he is See the goal of worship And the goal of magnification Is so that you can see him For who he really is And when you see him For who he really is You become Different you handle problems differently. You don't handle problems the way the world handles problems and Then you become a light you become a shining star you become well, man Why is she not all freaked out and going through drama? They see something different on our lives So when you see Jesus unveiled when you see him in his glory You will be transformed and you will be like him is what the word of God saying you will be like him Say I will be like him him. Right now none of us are in the likeness of God as we would like is that not true? All of us are at a different place all of us that are a different Plateau every one of us in this room have a different place of maturity in the unveiling of God But God's presence is what we're after The magnification of Him, God Almighty, is what we are after in this house. Because if we get Him, not more, yes, the word is important. Yes, prayer is important. You have got to get an experience and an unveiling of God inside of you. And that's what transforms you. Not legalism. Not duty. Not doing all the things right. in the Those things holiness is definitely what we're longing for. Be holy as I am holy. That's what God says. But you'll never ever get that unless there's this unveiling of Christ in your heart. Amen. You will go through the motions. You will be religious. You will, you will not have God encounters of the God kind without what, seeking God and understanding that He needs to be magnified. He needs to be enlarged. He needs to be unveiled in your eyesight. The fear of the Lord in disappointment looks like God getting bigger so that your problem gets smaller. Even Paul said it in 2 Corinthians. Paul said the same thing. He said, and we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into his image with intensifying glory, which comes from the Lord. Paul is, saying a spirit, Paul is basically saying spiritual growth, transformation, becoming like Christ, sanctification, whatever term you want to put it on, whatever you want to call it, at the heart of this change is when I get a glimpse of who he is, when I get a revelation of who he is, it automatically will change you. So if you're not able to get out of the problem, you're not able to get out of the trouble, you're not able to get and have over be overcomer, there's a problem with how you see God. Period. There is a problem with how you see God. And we want to change that. Anybody else want to change that? Nothing is more important than discovering and seeing God as He actually is. And that's why we come to church. That's why we fellowship with Christians. That's why we get in the Word. That's why we pray. We are are discovering the beauty of who God is. Amen? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, is what the Word of God says. And your perceptions of God need renewed, revitalized. They need to be changed. Amen? And that's the journey we are on, is being changed into the glory and the express image of Christ. Even Colossians 3.10, one of my favorite passages, Pastor Lynn preached this 30 years ago, 20 years ago. I can't even remember. And I'll never forget the passage. I've memorized it. And the passage says, do not, do not lie to yourselves any longer by putting on the old man. Don't lie to yourself. That's not who you are. You are not an old man. That's not, once you've received Christ, quit lying to yourself by saying you're, uh, you're, you're a slave to sin and, and, and thinking that you're a bag of worms. That's not who we are. We're not a bag of worms, right? Well, maybe some people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't lie to yourself any longer by putting on the old man, but the new man. Put on the new man that is being renewed in the revelation knowledge of who he is. So, we've got to spend more time discovering who God is. Can I, does anybody want to know who God is? Yes. Who do you say He is? What is your view of God? Well, look at your problems. If your problems are really causing you trouble and you're disappointed, you're discouraged, you're critical, you're cynical, you've got a problem with your view of God. Something's jacked up. And I've been there. Sometimes I get back there and I have to start worrying again. How full of wonder and amazement over God are you? I love what Tom said about the fear of the Lord in worship. And really, to be honest with you, your worship before God will either be shallow. Or it will be hallowed based upon your view of God Your worship will be shallow or hallowed hallowed be thy name But if your problems too big your worship will be shallow you won't be able to and I know People think we're crazy jumping, and shouting and declaring the praise of God. I get it. I get it. I get it. We are nuts i am nuts for jesus Amen. because i'm telling you he is majestic he is amazing he is worth taking your shoes off for if david could dance before the lord with all his might in a loincloth i can surely do it up here and do a little wiggy jig <laughs> for him That's right. not for you not to to make me look better than you but for his glory and his honor I know our worship is a stretch for many people. But I'm telling you, your your worship will either be shallow or hallowed based upon your view of God. Because if the fear of man is what is eating you, you'll never be able to dance before the Lord with all your might. You'll never be able to do what David said. Because the fear of man rather than the fear of God is what's controlling you. And I've been there. I've wore that T-shirt too many times. Anybody else? So, your revelation of God is too small. God's not the problem. God is never the problem, right? right, right so where are we going to go from here? He's inviting us to discover something. There's an invitation to make us or, or an invitation to us to make God bigger. And that's what this journey of the fear of the Lord is really about, these messages. That's what this is all about in, 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 in our preaching. Tom and I really felt like we really needed to get a revelation in this house of the fear of the Lord. And that's why we're preaching this, and we're even preaching it to ourselves, okay? Because I'm even growing in the fear of the Lord myself. So, if we're going to magnify God, we're going to on a journey to magnify God and discover God. David says so come and magnify the Lord with me. He says that and I want to go back to that passage one more time And I want to point out some things and then we'll land the plane here in a few minutes So that your starving kids can have some food (laughs) So I I want to point out some things here I'm going to read it and then I, I want to explain some things about this passage That will help us to bring our own life into the life of david David says, I will extol the Lord at all times, especially on Sunday morning. His praise will always be on my lips, especially Sunday morning. How in the world do you do that? I will glory in what? I will glory in Him. I think this is interesting let the afflicted the one in the trial the one in disappointment the one afflicted and rejoice rejoice in affliction rejoice oh come magnify the lord with me let us exalt his name forever do you know when david wrote this psalm in a cave He was being pursued by King Saul. He was a fugitive on the run. Couldn't even live in his own home. Was going from cave to cave, hiding from Saul. Saul was out to kill him and destroy him. In this psalm here, literally, David and his men are hungry and cannot, and they have no food. So not only do you not have a house, you don't have food, you're hungry, you're thirsty, you might have a bad hair day. (laughs) And so he goes to King Abimelech, and he asks for bread. And he's really concerned because Abimelech and the people, they recognize David. Why do you think they recognize David? David had already been anointed king, guys. He had already been prophesied over. You shall be the king of Israel. He had already been anointed. He had already had his hands laid on him. He already knew who he was. David was a king, a man of authority. His life didn't look like kingship. It wasn't going the way he wanted it to go, it wasn't going the way God said it would go. David was in a jam. David was hungry, he was scared, and he was running from his, for his life. And here's what he does. Because they start to recognize him, he starts to act like a madman. And he starts to fake insanity. Thrive, foaming at the mouth, thrashing, scratching the doors of the gate. <laughs> acting like a madman to make them think that it wasn't him. That's called taking things into your own hands, Right? Now, some of us, that wouldn't be a far jump to act like a madman, right? I know what you're thinking, Karen. So David is saying to his men with him, now let's read this. You view it from your vantage point and your problems and your concerns, and you ain't got nothing on David. Your problem Ain't nothing. I know it's not good English, but we're in Newcastle. This is a blessed city, right? Yeah. So in the cave, David writes, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory, glory in the Lord, not my problem. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Oh, so come, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever. Wow. Does that change the perspective of what a Christian should be doing when they're in a problem? How we have to change our focus and our gaze has to move from the problem to the Almighty. It has to go from complaining and whining to glorification and magnification. Oh, come. Let's turn from the problem. Let's turn from the situation. Let's let's cast our gaze on something more beautiful. Oh, come, let us magnify the Lord with me. I'm giving you a key to the kingdom here, church. It's a very simple message. It's not packed with great theological substance, although it is. Many people are bored with God many people are disappointed with God many people are critical, many are cynical many are depressed, many are discouraged but my friends the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and as we fix our gaze upon the Holy One, the King of Glory and we begin to discover who He is our problems become dwarfed in the middle of our our exaltation. I know it. I've walked it. I've seen it. And I know that that is the truth of God's Word. I want to show you one other example of this same thing, and then I'm going to land the plane. And this is with Paul and Silas in Acts. Paul and Silas, Acts 16, they're having a bad, bad hair day after they had been severely flogged who knows what flogging is you just had the beat out of you you just had your back flogged you've been whipped after they had been severely flogged they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully And look what they began to do. Oh, Jesus, why have you let me come here? Oh, Silas, dear God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, woe is me. No, Silas and Paul, look what they began to do. They were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Uh, the way some of us praise God, nobody hears it. I used to have a hard time because I didn't want to be real vocal with my praise to God. But aren't you glad that Paul and Silas were uh, uh, being pretty loud with their praying and their singing? Aren't you glad that Paul and Silas didn't have the fear of man, the FOMO, or FOMA, excuse me? And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Sorry about that. I didn't realize it was on the New Covenant emblem. (laughs) Came loose. Anybody got any chains? Anybody got any bondages in their life that need to be broken off? Anybody got any strongholds they're walking through? Any disappointments? Hurts? The words hymns of praise here says that they were, is the act of expressing approval And admiration. So if you can imagine, Paul and Silas in the jail, beaten, locked up, and they're singing adoration. They're declaring the goodness of God, they're praising God with their mouth. They are magnifying God, and the problem is dwarfed. The problem, the fear of the Lord in Paul and Silas, they had had a glimpse of who God was. They had a glimpse of who Jesus was. They knew he was the Messiah. I love the passage in Matthew where Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? We're going to get into that next week a little bit. Who do you say I am? And Peter had a revelation of who he was. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. While all the other people were saying you're a man, They were saying Jesus was a man Peter had a revelation of who he was and it changed Peter It made him bold as a lion So Paul and Silas magnified God over the problem They focused on praise of God rather than magnifying the problem and it brought deliverance So here's what we're going to do over the next couple weeks I'm going to share some of the characteristics and the nature of God, the names of God, who He is. I want to begin to elevate this house in our magnification. I want to begin to increase the house understanding of who God is. I want to begin to bring revelation of the beauty and the majesty of our God because our view has to come up, guys. Our view of God has to increase. The size of our God has to increase in order for us to go where God wants us to go. and so we're going to do that. Before before, uh, we leave today, I'm going to show a little video that I believe will help us to magnify God today. This video will begin to help you see God for who He really is, and this video is going to begin to... to, Here's what I pray. I pray that as we watch this video, that you would just ask God, God, show me something about you through this video. Magnify bring a magnification of who you are through this video because we're going to start to see through this video Some of the things and the attributes of Christ and we're going to talk about that next week What I'm going to do is I'm going to actually talk about the transcendence of God and the eminence of God That is not two words that we even use in our vernacular. We go, oh, yeah, the transcendence of God. What's that all about? We're going to talk about the transcendent nature of our God and his eminence. There are two aspects of him And so we're going to talk about that because what we're doing is I'm wanting to elevate God. So we're going to talk about God a lot over the next couple weeks. We're going to talk about, I'm not going to talk about how you're not doing something. I'm not going to talk about what you're doing wrong. I'm going to tell you who he is and you're going to be able to see the beauty of who God is. And as we elevate and magnify him, I promise you the fear of the Lord is going to increase in this house. The power of God is going to increase in this house and problems are going to become less and less. And we're going to start seeing God for who he is. He is He is Let's feast on the beauty of our God He is amazing And as we do it will dwarf Every stronghold and every problem you face Every one of those names Are things we can feast on All week As we dig in to discover the beauty of our master and our savior. Father, we love you. We worship you, we adore you. And Lord, I'm asking, would you release a spirit of wisdom and revelation for us, your people, to discover you for who you really are. For you are master the king of glory and I ask this week God that we would not get bored in discovering you but that we would feast on the beauty of who you are transform us God let us see you for who you really are and so father I ask right now would you forgive us as a people Would you forgive us for making you too small in our eyes, for making you like us rather than us seeing you for who you really are? Lord, I repent. I've allowed problems to seem so big in the light of your glory. And I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your mercy. Father, I and I know the people in this house, we are committed to discover you in the beauty of who you are. And we say yes to you. We say yes to discovering your attributes and your beauty, of getting in your word, of worshiping you in a different way, of getting outside of the fear of man and the fear of looking stupid to worship you truly, God, for who you really are. You are amazing. And even in that word, oh God, our words fall short of describing you. Our words fall short of your beauty and your glory. But we try to articulate from our heart the beauty of who you are. We love you and we honor you. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we thank you for that. Lord, I bless your people. I thank you, God, that this is going to be a week of discovery of you. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, those who are heavy, those who are struggling, I thank you, God, that you're their healer, you're their deliverer, you are their peace, you are their righteousness, you're their comfort, you are their God. And I thank you, God, for making yourself known. In Jesus' name we pray and all the saints of God said.